Hebrews chapter 10. You know, by God's grace, each one of us woke up today in a new year, 2023. It'll be another 11 years, get that, before Christmas and New Year's are on a, on a Sunday again. You know, Jason mentioned, as the custom is oftentimes at this time of year, there's a lot of talk about New Year's resolutions, um, establishing good new habits, eliminating bad old habits, and generally just a lot of excitement about the new year, right? It's a fresh start, if you will. That's, that's cool. You know, some people are anticipating maybe moving to a new town, um, maybe a new, into a new house, maybe a new school, that sort of thing. Some people may be finding a new job in 2023. Some people might be anticipating wedding bells or a milestone anniversary or something like that. Maybe you've got a big vacation planned for 2023. There's a lot to look forward to. And whatever it is, this time of year, we do things that the rest of the year we kind of tend to overlook or things that get pushed to the back burner. In the beginning of the calendar year, we say, I'm going to start that again. And maybe it's a Bible reading plan. Maybe it's an exercise plan. Maybe it's a book reading plan. So whatever it might be, we know those things kind of get pushed to the back burner when life gets crazy. And so we, we tend to pick those things back up. This is the time of year where a lot of times we evaluate our priorities. And it's good. Is my time better spent uh, fixing up this old house or looking for a new one? Putting more money into this vehicle or looking for a new one? Is it better time... Uh, my time be better spent learning the tools of this trade or just looking for a new job altogether? Is my time and money better spent saving for a particular item or getting something sooner? So all of these things, we're evaluating our, our priorities. Do we want to read more books this year? Do we want to watch more movies this year? Do we want to prioritize work or home life? All of these things are going through our minds. And it's not bad. It's good. We evaluated priorities this year. Now, I, I don't think all of those things are like mutually exclusive to where you can only watch more movies or only read more books or, or only maybe deepen relationships with other people. Like you, can, you can't only just pick one. You can do a lot of those things together. And, and I think that we should. We should deepen current relationships, um, but also look around for new friends, new relationships to make. But the big question that I want us to think through this morning together is this. And it's very simple, and it's kind of what you can see the title of the sermon is this morning. And it's, it's this. What do you want more of in 2023? What do I want more of this year? Do, do we want more funds in our bank account? Certainly, no one's going to complain for that. Do we want to say that we've traveled to more places Maybe more bucket list items crossed off. Maybe even more time spent with family. What do we want more of this year? My hope today is to convince you that today to make this the year of more, if you will, you can do that in three areas. And these three areas, listen to this. This is a big claim. I guarantee... That these three areas, if you improve in these things, if you get more of these things in this year, that it will make this year one of great success and progress in your life. 
It's a big claim. I get it. And so before I come across as like your motivational speaker for this morning, because pastors are so much more than a motivational speaker, our message is so much more important than a motivational message. Um, and even before I might come across as some type of uh, health, wealth, and prosperity gospel preacher, let me tell you what I mean and where I find it. In Hebrews chapter 10, verses 19 through 25. There are three things contained here. There's a lot contained here, but there's three things in particular that I want to focus on that help us see more of what we need in 2023. Let's read it together and then ask the Lord's blessing on our time. Verse 19. Therefore, brothers, since we have confidence to enter the holy places by the blood of Jesus, by the new and living way that he opened for us through the curtain that is through his flesh, And since we have a great high priest over the house of God, let us draw near with a true heart in full assurance of faith, with our hearts sprinkled clean from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. Let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering, for he who promised is faithful. And let us consider how to stir one another up to love and good works, not neglecting to meet together as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day drawing near. Let's pray. Lord, you're gracious and merciful to us in the progression that this text takes in that it doesn't start with us and our actions and our abilities. It starts with the the work of Christ and his blood shed on the cross. This is glorious to us, Lord, because without that, we could never hope to do the things that we're called to do. We could never be faithful. We could never look forward to your blessings. We could never be sprinkled clean from an evil conscience. We could, none of those things would be possible without the blood of Christ, and so we're grateful forever for that. As, as we look at these things today, Lord, again, open our eyes. Show us Christ. Help our priorities to shift accordingly. In his name we pray. Amen. So the first nine chapters of Hebrews um, really sets the focus on the Old Testament sacrificial system and the priestly system. And it makes the argument that those systems were perfectly and sufficiently fulfilled in Jesus' life, death, and eternal work. That's a a big summary of the first nine chapters, but that's really what it deals with. And then when we get to chapter 10, we see a bit of a shift. We see the text shift now. What do Christians do with that? Because of those incredible truths, where do we go? What do we do? Christ is the perfect sacrifice. Jesus is our great high priest. So what does that mean in your life and in mine? Okay, For some context, just look back at verse 14 with me. For by a single offering, he has perfected for all time those who are being sanctified. The key word here is sufficient. Christ's sacrifice is perfectly sufficient and perfectly to perfectly sanctify all those who belong to him. Let me say that again. Christ's sacrifice is perfectly sufficient to perfectly sanctify all those who belong to him. 
Is that you? Are you involved and included in that sanctifying process? Verse 17 and 18. Skip forward a little bit to that. It says, Then he adds, I will remember their sins and their lawless deeds no more. Where there is forgiveness of these sins, there is no longer any offering for sin necessary. Do you you see what it's saying? If in Christ you have been forgiven, nothing else needs to be done for you to be right with God. Yes. Glory to God. That's the gospel. Nothing else needs to be done. Jesus has done it. And so the first thing that I want us to have more of this year is nearness to God. Look at verse 22. Let us draw near with a heart, a new heart and full assurance of faith, with our hearts sprinkled clean from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. This, I think, is probably more significant than you and I realize. What what is being said in this verse right here. Last week, if you were with us on Christmas Day, I stressed the truth that Jesus Christ was born the King. The King of the universe. He was born the King. It was a humble beginning in a manger, in a stable. It was a humble middle, and it was a humble end. But in this way, Jesus fulfilled what God had called him to do. He was the Son of God, he was the Son of Man, and he was exalted to the seat of honor in the heavenly kingdom that he talked about. And so when the author of Hebrews now tells us to draw near with complete assurance, what are we drawing near to? Well, if you think about the previous nine chapters and the focus of Hebrews being the sacrificial priestly system, we're we're drawing near to the throne of God. The very throne where only the high priest before was allowed and then only at a limited amount of time with very specific rules put in place. Now we're being told to draw near to the holy place, the dwelling of God himself, to where God is. This, again, this is more significant than we realize. This would have been really earth-shattering in this time for Christians to hear this. Wait a second. We don't need a priestly system anymore? Now they saw that fulfilled and played out in the life of Christ, so this wasn't huge surprise, but now they're seeing it confirmed again. The inspired word of God, they're saying, wow, brothers and sisters, we need this today. Because how many different denominations or people that say they have faith still rely on a works-based system? We need to understand what's happening here in Hebrews 10, that God, by His Spirit, is calling us to boldly enter the throne room of God. Look at verses 19 through 21. These explain how and why we can draw near to God. And I'll just summarize it with this phrase, by the blood of Jesus. That's what it says there. This is the how and why. We're not not coming before the throne, cowering in fear of punishment, trembling at the thought of our sin, but we're coming before the throne with complete confidence that Jesus' blood does indeed wash us clean in forgiveness. You can and have been forgiven in Christ. To restate verse 18 a little differently, you no longer need to try to work for forgiveness because it's already been given freely based on Christ's perfect work. That's it. 
Christ's perfect work, not yours. First thing, nearness to God. We have more of that in 2023. The second thing I want us to have more of this year is found in verse 23, and it's perseverance. Verse 23, let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering, for he who promised is faithful. Let me read that in a couple other translations. The International Standard Version says, let us continue to hold firmly to the hope that we confess without wavering. The New English Translation says, let us hold unwavering to the hope that we confess. I like those words. Hold fast, hold firmly, hold unwavering. Lee, do you, do you see the point? Do you get it? Now, what are we to hold fast to? Simply our confession alone? Are we just supposed to like repeat some confession over and over until we're convinced it's true? I don't think that's what he means here. Those kinds of confessions mean very little when the darkness closes in. Instead, what is the content of our confession? That's what we want to see. That's what we want to hold tightly to. And what is the content of our confession? Hope. Hope. Romans chapter 5, verse 5. Paul says this. He says, This kind of hope does not disappoint because the love of God has been poured out within our hearts through the Holy Spirit who is given to us. This hope doesn't disappoint. That's what we hold tightly, hold affirmingly, hold unwaveringly to is the hope that we find in Christ. So we're to hold fast to our confession because its content is true, verified by the blood of Christ and poured out to us in the gift of the Holy Spirit. You see that here? So persevere, holding fast, firmly, unwaveringly to hope because he who promised is faithful. Don't give up in 2023 when times get hard because God is faithful, because God does not change. The third thing I want us to do even more of this year in 2023 is found in the next few verses, and it's stir one another up. Now, when you hear about someone getting stirred up, it's not normally a good thing, is it? Um, if, if, you're, if you're over 40, you probably heard the phrase, somebody getting their dander up. You guys know what that? Okay, I'm over 40. I've heard of that, so I figured most other people would. You're getting your dander up, or, or maybe, you know, maybe more recently, you're getting riled up, getting wound up. Uh, these are not normally good things. Um, the, getting stirred up really kind of has this negative idea of like going over to a beehive and beating on it with a stick. You're going to stir something up, but it's not a good, you don't want, you don't want what's coming when you stir that up. But in Hebrews, in our text today, it carries the same idea, but with a positive connotation to it, okay? And we should be excited about the results. Look at verse 24. And let us consider how to stir one another up to love and good works. Notice something with me before we move on. The, the first couple of things that I've pointed out have to do with us reflecting personally on the objective work of Christ on our behalf. So... We want nearness to God because Christ has made a way. 
through his torn flesh for us to be with God. Um, We also want to persevere. Why? Because we know that God is faithful and so that we can be faithful because the Spirit has been given to us as a gift. Those are, are things that work inside of us that God is doing. What he has done inside of us should change us in profound ways. We can't be the same if God has truly changed us. But now we see in this third point that what he's done inside of us then also changes things outside of us, doesn't it? It doesn't remain inside. It's not just our faith that we keep and we hold and we never talk about and we never share. It has to change things outside of us. More specifically, it should cause us to look outside of ourselves and focus our attention on who? On brothers and sisters in the church, on the church body. Because of what Christ has done, And because of everything that he is, believers in the church are supposed to do something to stir one another up to love and good works. Now, these are fantastic goals for someone to have. But we know something about goals, don't we? We can set them, but sometimes we don't reach them. Sometimes life gets in the way. Sometimes we get lazy. Sometimes things happen, and those goals remain unfulfilled. What does the author of Hebrews say about this? Well, he gives us two ways in which we can positively stir one another up, or maybe your translation says spur one another on, or maybe even provoke one another to love and good works. Look at verse 25. Here's one way that we encourage one another, that that what God has done in Christ in us comes outside of us. Here it is. Not neglecting to meet together as is the habit of some. So one way that we encourage one another, we spur one another on to love and good works is not neglecting to be together. Now, I, I can hear it now. Maybe you're not saying it out loud, but maybe you're thinking it. Leave it to the pastor to talk about church attendance, right? Uh, in all honesty, this is one of the clearest instructions in all of Scripture for, for attending church faithfully. Okay, there's no scripture that says you have to sign a membership covenant uh, or be a part of a church that has membership roles. We think that those are wise things to do for other biblical reasons. But here we're told that really unless you're physically unable to attend, you should go. And, And I don't mean that you simply watch a service online and count that as attending church. I think if the COVID era has taught us anything is that that's not what church is. We know that. Sinners are saved by the blood of Christ and then adopted and placed immediately into a family. No one is saved to go out and be by themselves as a Christian. There are no lone rangers in Christianity. I also want to point out that this is not a recommendation from the writer of Hebrews either. This is not even a suggestion or a strong encouragement to be a part of a local body of believers. This is nothing short of a command here. Do not neglect meeting together. And then he says, as is the habit of some. So there were some people who claimed the name of Christ, who said to be a part of God's people, the church, who were making it a habit to neglect gathering together. And it's obvious by the context and what you know that that was a bad habit. 
Not a good habit to get into. This is a bad habit. So this is a bad habit that was addressed thousands of years ago by the author of Hebrews and is still a bad habit that affects people's lives today, isn't it? You, you guys have probably heard me talk about the chickens that we have at our house. Okay? We have 17 hens at our house. And wouldn't you know it, they like to eat and they like to drink. You know? And when it was like sub-zero temperatures, nobody in my house wanted to go feed the chickens. Myself included. Nobody wanted to go out and make sure that their water hadn't frozen solid. Which it had when I went and found out. But you know, what if I said, you know, I really like those chickens. I like that they provide eggs for my family. But it is just so cold. I don't really feel like getting out there today. So whatever happens, happens. What do you think is going to happen? Those chickens are going to die. Okay, thankfully none of them did, by the grace of God with their frozen water and all. But without regular involvement, without consistent care, my chickens, if we were to just say whatever happens, happens, my chickens will become malnourished and they will die. They will become weak and they will die. Here's why my chickens matter to you. Some people treat their involvement in church life the same way. Okay? So they say, you know, I'm grateful for what the church has done. For me, I, I don't just really feel like getting out there today. It's too cold. I was up too late last night. Is that true of anybody this today, New Year's? I was out too late last night. I'm too busy. The chairs are too hard. The people there dress too formally or they, they dress too casually. They don't play the songs that I like. I might miss the game. So whatever happens, happens. You see, you see what I'm saying? You see the correlation here? Well, do you know what happens when this is your attitude? When this is your attitude, your faith will become malnourished and you will become weak. Your confidence and assurance will wither away because you have neglected the things that really matter. Now, we could say that the author of Hebrews who's inspired by the Holy Spirit himself, makes it clear that for Christians, church attendance is not optional. Okay? Now let me point out, though, because I want to be careful in this, simply putting your rear end in a chair isn't exactly what the author of Hebrews means either. Okay? And I don't want us to become legalistic about something like church attendance. We don't want to replace one bad habit of not attending church regularly with another bad habit of being legalistic about coming to church. So will you miss an occasional worship gathering because your family has gone on vacation? Yeah, you will. And it's okay. Will you miss a few weeks throughout the year because you're, you're sick or because you're, someone in your family is sick and you have to stay home? Yeah, we've seen a lot of that recently. It's, it's okay. The goal is not to be legalistic about this, but to be consistent in our priorities. And this is really important. So let me say that again. The goal is not to be legalistic about church attendance. It is important. It's not optional for the Christian, Hebrews says. 
But the goal is to be consistent in our priorities. If you're able to attend the worship gathering, but you choose to do something else, then like the mindset of the chickens, you're neglecting the things that really matter. And you're in danger of becoming malnourished and possibly even withering away. Dads and moms, what are you, what are we communicating to our kids about our priorities when it comes to church attendance? Here's the thing. If we're commanded to make it a priority, then we shouldn't let anything else take a higher priority on Sundays when our church, the main gathering, happens. Now, you can't control sickness. You can't control the death of a loved one where you may be traveling for a funeral. You can't uh, control holiday travel problems like we've seen this year. But we may have to rearrange our normal schedules to make the church gathering a priority. We would be right to do it. Work schedules may need to be shifted. Homework might need to be done at a different time. Sports may need to be skipped. Vacations may need to be scheduled differently. Not every time. Again, we're not being legalistic about this, but what are our priorities saying to our loved ones and to our families? This is simply an encouragement from one of your pastors to take this scriptural command to heart and to keep our priorities focused on the things that really matter. Look back at verse 25 with me. The command to meet together is vital. It's not optional, I would say. But notice, it's a means to an end. It's good and it's right and it's necessary, but it's a means to an end. Christians in the church are to gather together for the purpose of stirring one another up to love and good works. Because what God has done in you doesn't stop in you. It's intended to go beyond you and through you to the world around you. So if this is our purpose, shouldn't this be at the top of the priority list of every Christian? Gathering together, stirring one another on. The the author here doesn't just say go to church. He sets attending church very deliberately in the context of knowing, loving, encouraging other believers. These things are tied intimately together. So brothers and sisters, gathering around the word of God as it's preached and taught is the thrust of the main worship gathering each week, but it's not the only thing that happens when we gather together. Let me give you a few other things that happen. What else should Sunday morning church be about, our worship gathering be about? Well, it's about sharing one another's burdens. Some of you come in here burdened. This is a place to share. It's about lifting one another up in those moments. It's about praying with one another, for one another. It's about asking how we can do that better. It's about giving and receiving godly biblical counsel. Did you hear that? Receiving biblical counsel. And I don't mean just from the pulpit. I mean in your conversations and in your relationships. It's about weeping with one another. It's about rejoicing with one another. It's about helping each other apply the truth of God's word in our lives more and more, week in and week out. That's the kind of stuff that happens in the gathering of believers. It may not be happening 
if you're too quick to run off afterwards. I'll just leave it at that. This is where the second aspect of uh, verse 25 comes in. This is another way, and it's an encouraging one another. Now, the word encourage here, some of your translations may have exhort, implore. Another word for this is beseech or to call one another near. It's, it's this idea of, of someone kind of walking away and you're calling out to them. Hebrews 3.13 tells us, it says, exhort one another daily. Why? To not be hardened by the deceitfulness of sin. So, we gather together to spur one another on to love and good works. We gather together to exhort one another, to call out to one another, to encourage one another, to reject sin and to turn away from it. And verse 25 also tells us, why it's so important to do these things. Look at the end of verse 25. To do these things all the more as you see the day drawing near. So we gather together. We reprioritize if we need to. We exhort and we encourage one another because the day, the day of the Lord, the return of Christ, that day is coming. It's drawing near. It's soon. We don't know exactly when, but we know it's coming. Now, there's a temptation here to do a couple of things, both of which I think we should avoid. There's a temptation here to be so caught up in the happenings of this world that we forget the importance of church. The other temptation is that we get so discouraged by the happenings of this world that we withdraw from the church. And we need to avoid both of these things. We don't want to be so wrapped up in it that we lose the importance of the gathering of believers. But we also don't want to be so discouraged by what's happening in the world that we withdraw from the church. Brothers and sisters, we need one another. If there was ever a time in our history that we've been alive, we know it's now where we need fellowship. We need accountability. We need encouragement. Don't forsake the gathering of believers. But don't treat church attendance as merely legalistic either. James 4.8 encourages us in this way. It says, draw near to God and he will do what? He will draw near to you. But let me mention this. Do you, inev- do you know what inevitably happens when you draw near to God? When you draw near to God, you always draw near to God's people. Okay? I would go so far as to say that you can't be close to God and intentionally or lazily avoid the gathering of believers. So for 2023, I want us, number one, to be nearer to God. I want you to be nearer to the Lord. Seek Him. Study his word. Memorize his word. Meditate on his word. There are hundreds of Bible reading plans that would be fantastic to use in this. But you could also just start reading in the book of John or in the book of Leviticus. I might not recommend that one immediately, but it's his word and it's all inspired. And so it's profitable for you to read. 
Read it. Don't be hardened by the deceitfulness of sin. Repent from it. Call one another. Call me to repent from it. Number two, I want us to have even more perseverance this year going forward. Hold fast to hope. Remain steadfast in faith. Don't give up on following Jesus because his blood was spilled for you and his Holy Spirit has been given to you as a gift. Don't give up. Persevere. And I want us to stir one another on, spur one another on to love and good works even more in 2023. Why? Because the day of the Lord is coming. We don't know when, but we know it's coming. So spend your time now while we can, exhorting one another, encouraging, praying for one another to love and follow Jesus more and more. Some questions to consider. What would Ramsey Creek Baptist Church look like if every one of its members made these things a priority this year? What would our community look like if the Christians in it took these things seriously? How might, how might our world be impacted by the glory of God if we focused more on these things this year, on nearness to God, on f- persevering in the faith, on stirring one another up to love and good works? You know one of the best ways to stir one another up to love and good works is to be doing love and good works yourself, <laughs> right? By example. And there are a myriad of ways that we do this. There are people around us that are having a hard time. Financially, emotionally, how can we support them? How can we help them? I've heard stories of that happening in this church body, and I'm so grateful. We need more of that in 2023. Continue. I want to finish with a story that I heard. Uh, Some of you may have heard it before. The name of it, we don't know who wrote it, but it's, it's a story called The Lonely Ember. I'll read it to you. A member of a certain church who previously had begun attending services regularly had stopped going. After a few weeks, the pastor decided to visit him. It was a, a chilly evening, so the pastor found the man at home alone sitting before his fire. Guessing the reason for his pastor's visit, the man welcomed him in, led him to a big chair near the fireplace, and had him have a seat. The pastor made himself comfortable but said nothing. In the grave silence, he contemplated the play of the flames around the burning logs. And after some minutes, which felt like an eternity, the pastor then took the fire tongs, carefully picked up a brightly burning ember, and placed it to one side of the hearth all alone, and sat back in his chair, still silent. The host watched all this in quiet contemplation. As the one lone ember's flame diminished, there was a momentary glow, and then its fire was no more. Soon it was cold and dead. Not a word had been spoken since the initial greeting. Just before the pastor was ready to leave, he picked up the cold, dead ember and placed it back into the fire. Immediately, it began to glow once more with the light and warmth of the burning coals around it. As the pastor reached the door to leave, his host said, Thank you so much for the visit. 
and especially for the fiery sermon. (laughs) I'll be back at church Sunday. May this be the year where we set up our priorities around the word of God, where we seek him more consistently and where we will be even more and more involved in the lives of our brothers and sisters in Christ. Let's pray. Lord, we can all be like that, that that burning ember, that coal that's burning so brightly, and then circumstances of life, our own laziness, whatever might happen, and we withdraw, and we start to become cold, lose our assurance. In that state, Lord, we have forgotten the things that really matter. And so we need you to pick us up and move us back close to the body of believers, back into the fire where we too will glow burning for Christ once again. Lord, remind us that this is not a legalistic thing to just cross off a list, to check a box, that we went to church today, so we did what's good. Lord, help us to have a, this is a burning, glowing desire to be with your people because it's there where we really understand love and good works and it's there where we get motivated and built up to go and to be that in the world because it's dark and so as as we see the day approaching as we see your coming again Lord, may we be more and more about these things, drawing near to you, persevering in our faith, and encouraging one another to do the same. Lord, may we lead by example in this. We thank you that this this story, this text, did not start with us and our work. There is work for us to do, but it started with the shed blood of Christ and his finished work, and so we remain grateful. May that be what is always in The windshield as we go, the sacrifice of Christ makes this possible. The gift of the Spirit makes this possible. The gospel message that has changed us can now go and change others through us. By your Spirit, Lord, we pray that it would more and more. In Christ's name we pray.